So this week, Tom, uh, this is a question I am not going to have much to say <laughs> about. <laughs> I'm going to be asking more than telling, I think. Well, I think that's true to the you know, original conception of this podcast, isn't it? That's what we wanted to be doing. Like, You should have questions that you don't know the answers to, that you need answers to. Yep. And it's still true to my uh, current level of uh, knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of things I don't know um, that you do. And the problem is we're fast approaching the limits of my knowledge as well. So I think, <laughs> I think you, could, you, you, may, you may not be running out of questions, but I am running out of answers. So <laughs> I've got plenty of questions, yeah. <laughs> um, so this week's question is, what? Oh, I'll ask it to you, Tom. What is the difference between a framework and a library? They are things, they are words that get thrown around a lot, I think, and you're kind of expected to know them. And I remember, especially as a beginner, I kind of didn't really know there were these very vague, nebulous things that people would say, oh yeah, learn this framework or use this library. And I never actually kind of understood what they were to, to begin with. And then once I knew a bit about each, I thought they sounded very similar and wasn't sure how they were different. Yeah, I think there's is a level at which it's just a, a narrow semantic difference perhaps but it's easy to spot which is which generally speaking i think that the duck test applies quite nicely to this oh that's good because it's also a bit like um it took me a while to get my head around method and a function uh, they seem like the same name for the same uh, ah, yeah. different names for the same thing but used in different situations so is it maybe similar to that no not as similar to that um i, I think what like the, the method function thing is more in line with um parameters and arguments kind of feeling very similar and doing the same kind of thing but it's just the same thing in a different context so one's when you're passing in and one's when you're passing out um despite having originally said it's maybe a semantic difference there are fundamental differences between frameworks and libraries in the way that they're used and what they do and how you approach them so it is quite a big difference um, do you have any, have you, in your short working time, have you had much exposure to either frameworks or libraries or both or things that you've you've heard that word being passed around? In what context has that been happening? I think so. Um, I mean, I used Vue and I'm pretty sure that's a framework. Am I right? Yep, yep, yep. Spot <laughs> All on. All right, good. Um, frameworks seem bigger than libraries i think like in python you seem to have quite a lot of you have like internal libraries that are, come with python and then you can have like things that you install with pip um if you want to add stuff into mm -hmm. python i think they're all libraries uh, a library is kind of like more like a tool isn't it it's like you've got a maybe a table with loads of tools on and you're going to pick up the ones that you need the same with libraries you're going to pick out the ones you need whereas if you need like a whole workspace then you're going to go for a framework <laughs> yeah there we go podcast over done um, <laughs> but, um, Boom. Just, uh, <laughs> so i know what you're talking about the pip is uh pip is like a it's like the, the package manager for python is that right pip is yes it's uh, i think in mm -hmm. javascript you have npm yep yep so pip's just the alternative to that in the python world uh -huh. so it's just a way of using python and you want to pull in your tool from somewhere so you'd say pip install spanner and it would bring a spanner into your hmm. into your workspace. And then there's like PHP has Composer, and yeah, it's npm or yarn in JavaScript world. Um, I think I mean, are you familiar with the term standard library when it comes to talking about languages? I um, think so. That's kind of all the, the like the tools that come with the language. 
yeah like so, yeah. to begin with you don't have to act you don't have to go and get them they're kind of already there so when you start python it comes with all these different things like I mean, I can't name any off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, in a JavaScript context, there's the. I mean, it used to be very limited. It used to, like, JavaScript used to be quite a small language, but l- lately we've had some more things added to the standard library. Things like um, map and reduce and arrow functions and like lexical scope, all the stuff that comes with that. So there's a few and all the different. So there you have the, the your primitives like arrays and objects and what have you and strings. And a string will have methods on it, so you can split or you can. Um, Reverse, and you can do all kind of various things with arrays and pop and push and sl- splice. So, is a string as a library? Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. no. Obviously, the the standard the standard library of JavaScript has built in things that will deal with strings, and I think arrays are probably a, maybe a, a better example. Which I think is what's that in Python? That's a li- uh, list dic- list dictionary. In Python. What's a dic- no list. Yeah, a dictionary is an object. Gotcha. I'll just say there's like key value pairs in a, in a dictionary. That makes sense. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So uh, if you're looking at an array and you want to pop something off the front of it or you want to splice it in a certain way, if you've got the array object as a variable in JavaScript, you can dot splice dot pop. Like they mm-hmm. are me- methods on the array object, essentially. Um, so they are all, those are methods that are part of the. Um, yeah, part of the standard library of JavaScript. And traditionally, the JavaScript standard library has been pretty weak compared to things like Python. Um, and I think also, but also when you install, when you like pip, in, I'm not sure if it's when you pip install things, but when you, do you have require? Is require a thing in, or import in Python? Mm, I think it, like you would pip install something and that would need other things. So it would install those things mm-hmm. before it installs itself. I don't know if that's no, like a, depend- but so, a dependency. So say you're going to apply Spanner to something in your project. Oh, you, don't, you import it. At you the import top. it at the top. Yeah. yeah. So, and but you have to pip install it first to. Yeah. Well, I mean, available. you can import it, but it mm-hmm. just won't work. <laughs> are, there th- are there things that you can import without installing? Am yeah. I right? Yeah. So I think that's the standard li- That's the standard library of Python. I think the things that you can you have access to that you can just import and they they are there and available. And that's one of the reasons people like Python as a as a learning language for beginners as well as because it's got all that stuff. It's got a lot of stuff there and there's a standard way to do it. Um I'm assuming there's like date related stuff in there if you wanted to format a date, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head because I've not actually been doing Python for quite a while now. No, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, <I forget. laughs> um Yes, there are there are things in there for like dealing with URLs and getting re- requesting stuff off the internet and stuff. That's generally all included. Yeah, so it's a stick with the date object because that's something I'm uh, the date concept because that's something I'm eminently familiar with. It's not a solved problem in JavaScript to a certain level. Like in the native language itself, the like making a new date object is a bit gross and a bit and not like the most fantastically useful thing. You can't like format date strings. And you can't translate them, and you can't localize them. You can't. There's all sorts of things you can't do natively in JavaScript. So we have to use a library, um, and there is almost almost like the equivalent of like the standard library that we wish we had. Um, there is <laughs> a thing called Moment JS, which is a library that I use all the time at work, and it's big and powerful. And there are lots of smaller, lightweight imitators um, but if you want to do everything and you want to be able to do everything with dates all around the world then moment.js is pretty much the go-to and there's not anything else that comes close in terms of stability and support and documentation um, 
And so even though it's big, sometimes you need it to be big because you need to do all the things. But that is a library. That's like you say, it's a, it's a spanner. So when you want to do something to some date, you want to do some date maths, you want to add seven days to a date, you want to work out whether it's the start of the week or not, or you want to um, yeah, work out which ISO week, did, week number you're in, you can do all that with Moment.js. You can pull that in and do a very specific job in one place yeah. using the library. So it, it, your original definition is pretty much spot on. Yeah, so in, in Python, that it would be you would import date time at the top, it's kind of in the name, <laughs> uh, which is useful. And then, yeah, you can do all these things, like do time deltas where you're like, adding dates to each other and stuff like that, I guess similar to what you were describing. But it, that's something that you don't need to go and install to begin with if you're using Python. It's kind of already there. Yeah, I think, yeah, to come to retread the same ground, Python's a really good language for people to start learning in because it's quite well put together and mature and sensible. You could just stop the rest of that sentence. <laughs> uh, I think people keep, keep yeah. the first six words. Yeah, everyone, everyone needs to learn. Everyone needs to learn JavaScript because it's in the browser and that's it's the one that you need. It's gonna you're gonna need it at some point, even if you hate it. You should at least well, understand it. <laughs> not if not if your not if your work doesn't involve the browser. Yeah, well, that's what I say to that. Who, who doesn't involve <laughs> whose work doesn't involve a browser? Ugh. I'm, I'm picking my hand up. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's kind of that's libraries. So they're, they're these tools. We can kind of we, sometimes we have to install them, but there's quite a lot that are native with languages that come up, like packaged with them. Um, so what? Oh, maybe what is is that? Would you say a library is just? kind of one big file with loads of functions in it is that what a library is it could be um in its purest form yes uh, generally it might well be it's more likely to be one big object in javascript land i mean the the canonical example is jquery um which has been around for forever now i thought jquery was a framework Ah, okay. So the thing with jQuery is that it's a massive, 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 massive library. <laughs> it does every, it does a bit of everything, and people can use it to build all sorts of things. And a lot of people will use it like, almost in the way that they would use a framework. So someone will learn jQuery before they learn. They could learn jQuery and not know any JavaScript. That used to be quite a common thing, particularly with uh, front enders making websites in the noughties, I think. Uh, well, not the noughties in the in the twenty tens, which we've now left. Um, the the tens the teens yeah yeah what do you call it yeah yeah we're lucky we're in the twenties now yes finally we have finally we have a real a real roaring twenties but Captain Distracto strikes again but we talk about jQuery yeah so yeah circa two thousand and five and onwards until about probably about twenty fifteen really I think jQuery was a thing that was like people would learn jQuery rather than learn JavaScript. And it did a lot, and it's and JavaScript was a bit of a mess back then, so it standardized a lot of things. So when I started out, jQuery was the dominant thing. JavaScript, there was there was you could learn J, jQuery without learning JavaScript and use that to do all the little bits of functionality on a page that you wanted. I think the most useful thing being like putting a nice wrapper and standardizing things like AJAX, which are yeah complicated to do natively and often like back then. I mean, it's still a problem now, but certainly back then, cross-browser compatibility was much more of a problem. Um, and jQuery solved that by, stand by giving basically a standard interface. But it was never a framework. Um, and I think that probably is useful in, as a distinguishing point because it was never giving you 
a way of... Oh, I don't... Yeah. It's a very complicated library. Necess- well, maybe the idea behind it wasn't that you would write your entire... Your, all your work in jQuery, you would also have to write your HTML and stuff like that. Whereas when I was working with Vue, like, I wouldn't write as much HTML as I would have if I wasn't using a framework. That's an interesting way of coming at it. Yeah, I think that might be right. Um, frameworks tend to have some sense of like state management in there, but they're also sh- very strict about the way you're going to create an application. A framework is almost an end, a means to an end. Um, so there, I think like to go. I mean, if we're going old school, um, not not super old school, but like J, jQuery level old school, there are like. Oh, yeah, foundation and code igniter and all the kind of that kind of stuff that was maybe popular five or ten years ago is getting more into framework language framework land where it's giving you a way to like I don't handle handle routing in your application and like start building something that's an application rather than jQuery is just like you've got a web page you've got a HTML web page and you want to maybe add some interactivity to it use jQuery to do the interactivity yeah so. I could have a website and use a tiny bit of jQuery to do one little thing, whereas I can build a website and be like, oh, I'm going to use React for this tiny bit of my website. You wouldn't be able to do that. That's just not possible. See, now we get into it. I mean, take take my flat file uh, static HTML homepage, my, my blog that I've, I've just updated because it's the new year. Um, TomHazardine.com. Yep, that's the one. Thank you. <laughs> there's, uh, on the homepage of that, there's a little graph. That is, in fact, a React app sitting on the page. Right, okay. But it's, it's just a very small React app, and it lives in the context of a wider HTML project. Um, but it's, a, it's an app. It's not just a couple of lines of code that you've just shoved in there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably overkill for what it is. It could just be an SVG. But it's... <laughs> <laughs> and and, then when I, and when I'm doing serious visualization stuff, that's what I do. You kind of render it out to an SVG at the end and kill React. You just use React to build the thing because it's easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's there's an application that sits inside that homepage. Um, yeah, you could have I could have re- I could have a whole like flow. You could go from page to page within that little app and do different things. It, it doesn't do anything like that, but it could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you a framework is something you. you it has a very defined way of building something. It's not a tool so much as a methodology, if that makes I guess, sense. Uh, yeah. People talk about kind of opinionated languages. So I guess frameworks are very opinionated. They've got like a certain set of ways that you need to do things. They're not just some like some lines of code that you shove in. There's like there's a structure and an architecture and there's a way they want you mm. to build their, build your website using it. Yeah. So things like jQuery back in the day, and now maybe a more up-to-date example would be a library like Lodash, which has basically a whole list of helper functions for JavaScript to do like useful things, um, kind of like jQuery was back in the day, that same level. That's your toolkit. That's the, the spade and the hammer and the chisel and the screwdriver that we were talking about earlier. Um, a framework is much more like ordering a I mean, we're going off on, <laughs> off on an anal- analogy departure here. Um, a framework is more like ordering a hoofhouse from Germany and having it delivered in parts, but there's a certain way you have to lay the foundations. You have to put up these segments of house in order. And you can't, you couldn't say, oh, I'm going to build a skyscraper with this because it's saying, yeah, this is a hoofhouse. You've, you've ordered it and this is what you want. So it's a much more controlling way of making things. 
the whole system's there, isn't it? The, and this is something that's important to note. There's, it's not just JavaScript that has frameworks. I think most languages probably have some sort of framework attached to them. So like, I've like Flask for Python, I, that's a framework, isn't it? Yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, and um, well, uh, right. So I'm not as massively familiar with Flask. Is what's the relationship between Flask and Django? How do they? It's the same it? sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're doing the same thing. They're competitors almost. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So they're both. They sounds like they are both frameworks. Um, I think it's worth looking at like what the framework is there to do um, outside of <laughs> distracting uh, architectural analogies. Like there is a lot of the, when you're building an application. There are certain things every application kind of needs to do. It needs to handle routing. It needs to handle that like, if you're if it's in an uh, an MVC view. Uh, no, nope, get that right. Model, Model view, view controller. controller. <laughs> yeah, I, to, I wanted to make sure I got them in order. But if you're in an MVC paradigm or any kind of yeah VC paradigm, then you want to be doing things in a certain way. You want to have your models and you, you want to be able to set them up, and you want to have views and some kind of view templating engine um, and all of that stuff. Like you within then within that you need to have a way of handling permalinks and various different aspects of like how you how do you handle your history object for if you're in a browser context and going backwards and forwards. There's a lot of stuff that every application is going to need, and honestly, like most people don't need to invent that from scratch. So it's just like a a massive boilerplate. It's kind of it's. Put, laying down all the foundations so that you can get on with the the creative, more creative stuff of actually what's your website going to look like or what's your application going to do, as opposed to setting up all the architecture essentially for it and the that that's kind of already there. So you can just it's like a a scaffold, you know, like you say, yeah, and then you can just put your things onto that scaffold that's without having to spend ages kind of rewriting the wheel. Yeah, and there are set ways to do certain things. Like, so if you want authentication for a CRUD app, there's a, a kind of there's prior art for how to put that together. You don't need to have to build your own user system. You can have that sort of off the shelf almost. So, like in Laravel, for instance, in PHP land, or the probably the best example is um, Ruby on Rails in Ruby land. Um, like, that's that's probably the most successful framework there is out there in terms of like its effectiveness and its the way the way that it's dominated the the ruby landscape i can't think off the top of my head of any other ruby frameworks i can think of maybe maybe 10 javascript ones and <laughs> and several in other languages as well it's that's the one that's like really like that problem has been solved so effectively that there's not many not much more that needs to be done i guess when it comes to frameworks as well i don't in the in the python world there are lots of different web frameworks but they've all got quite like they've got quite different uses, so there's there is a reason for having more than one. They're not just they're not competing completely. So you said like Django and Flask, you thought were competitors. They kind of are, but Flask is kind of um, it's like bare bones. You you've got like the base core like in the middle, and then you just kind of you go and kind of it's like getting libraries essentially. But you go and get a library and attach it to your framework. You go and get another one and you attach it in. So you attach all these different things. Like if you want. If you want to have users and you need to have login and log out and stuff, you can get go and grab that and attach it to Flask. Whereas with Django, it's kind of a, a more full-featured uh, application right at the box. You've kind of got all of that there, and you just need to like flick a switch to turn them on, as opposed to plug them in. Like you mm. just they're already there, and you just flick the switch for each of them, and then they're there. So it's like um, I, I saw somewhere that it said 
uh, Django is more like a car and Flask's like a bike. Like Flask is a lot more lightweight than, than Django. Django's kind of got everything you need already. So I guess in in JavaScript, when I was looking at Vue and React and things, I couldn't really, other than like the, the way they go about things, there didn't seem to be actual differences in terms of what they did um, or the, like the way you did it necessarily. It was kind of, they're all doing the same thing and I wouldn't know how to make a decision over say React versus Vue. Yeah, they're, they are definitely in competing spheres. Like, so React, Vue, Svelte, Ember, Angular, Backbone even to go way back. They're all kind of doing the same thing, but at uh, maybe different levels of fidelity and with different focuses. So like, um, with Vue, the complexity lives in your markup. With React, like everything lives in your JavaScript. There's like, different, they prioritize different things and different workflows. But then once you're in there, you almost have to have like complete buy-in to the React, like do it the React way or you'll be fighting against it every step of the way and you may as well not have used it at all. Whereas a library is much more open to, it's just a tool you use it however you need to. So if I need to do some date stuff, I'll, I'll use Moment. It doesn't it doesn't matter if I'm using a vanilla JavaScript project or I'm interacting with jQuery or I'm mucking around with, with Vue or it's inside a, a massive React application. It's just, I just need to do that one thing. I'll use the library to do that one thing. Yeah, so I think kind of a good way to think of it is what what well what I think of a good way talking having talked about it now is um, like frameworks if you've got if you've got going to have like a long lasting sort of application and you you know that you're not sure what you're going to have to add necessarily but you need something long lasting and solid then you are going to need to probably go for a framework. Whereas with a library, that's kind of like you're just doing a little personal project and you want to just add a few things on, or you're writing a little script in Python, for example. Um, libraries are kind of more like that. And I guess you use, you use them in... Uh, you know? I, yeah, I, I feel like that's... I know you use them in conjunction as well. You're almost... Yeah, yeah. You're, that's almost like the difference between small frameworks and big frameworks. Like um, throwing something together in Express in Nodeland as, a, as an app and then using some massive great big framework to, to do it for a, for a bigger project you know, uh, I think they always can they can always in all scenarios run hand in hand so even on a tiny project you can use your big framework and use little libraries as well and then you can also when you're doing a massive project inside a very very locked down framework you'll use all sorts of different libraries all the time you'll probably be using more libraries than you would if you weren't because, uh, if you were just doing something smaller you yeah, I could agree with that. But I've also found frameworks have a much bigger, maybe it's just my way of learning, but frameworks seem to have a mass, like a really big, steep learning curve. Whereas like a library, you just pull in, you, you Google for a bit of documentation and you use it. Whereas a framework, like it, you, it, for me anyway, it takes time to kind of work out the best way of doing things and how it wants you to do it and where you need, how you need to set it up and all those sorts of things. Yeah, that's almost the definition of it. I think it comes with the territory that you're building something big and there is prior art for building that big thing. You've got to do it in the way that the framework you've chosen wants and you have to learn that. And then there's all sorts of nuances and that can go go really, really, really deep. Yeah. Um, some some libraries can go go really deep and there's a learning curve on them as well. There could be like something like D3, which I would think of as a, a library, is very, very complex and has lots of levels of things that you have to learn. You can, I mean, some people, you can use it. It's so complicated so complex you can use it as a framework if you wanted to it does have like some of the things like element select the way it handles element selection and what have you you can do everything you want in d3 if you need to 
But you can also, which is something I do on a more regular basis, use it just to do a bit of data munging, to take some information, run it through some tasks, like convert it into a certain format and put it, spit it out the way you want it. Hmm. So I suppose there probably are libraries out there that are a lot bigger than frame, like some small frameworks. <laughs> so it's not necessarily about size, but more about kind of the thinking behind them, maybe? Yes, yeah. It's like one, a, a library is essentially a collection of little tools, a collection of helper functions or pl- all, plugins. They all sit, they're all related to like, one like quite specific thing. So like D3 is all related to data visualization. Moment.js is mm. just about talking about the time things like that yeah they can be quite vague though. i mean lodash for instance is really useful and really helpful and it just kind of covers a bit it's just like a bit of syntactical sugar for everything in javascript that you might want to do there's a lodash way of doing it and but it's very much a library because it's just providing you a tool set that you can put together any way you like it's not dictating how you write your code it's just dictating like the function the specific functions that you use Whereas um, yeah, yeah, React and all the rest, are they're a way of putting something together. And if you don't put it the, the way they want, it won't work. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's def- it's definitely clearer in my mind now. Um, I was always a bit vague on what the difference was. Um, but yeah, I know I summed it up at the beginning, but I was still a bit, fit, still a bit unsure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think, yeah, your definition at the start was spot on, but through the conversation it does sound like there's a little yeah particularly on the the edges of the difference like yeah but it sounds like it's more of a just a way of thinking about things and the way people have gone about creating things have you ever have you ever created your own library or framework uh i have created libraries in the past um i generally have like a little my own block of helper libraries that i use in various different scenarios to do different things um I've published one, I think I would call, uh, I don't even know if I'd go as far as calling it a library. Maybe it's more of a plugin, but uh, Picabell, my JavaScript uh, audio player thing is, I guess you would call that a library because it's just doing one specific thing. It's definitely not, I've never ever created a framework and would never want to because it just like, yeah, there's not, I don't feel like there's the need. I don't think I have the time and effort and scope to make a Yeah, but something like a library is, I've never done it, so I don't know. I'm, I am asking. Um, is that quite quite an easy thing to go about doing? Depends on what you want to do. Uh, you can you can make really easy library. So uh, let me pull up a project I'm working on at the moment. My helpers.js file. It's literally got three function. It's got one function in there that is doing some uh, UTC offset stuff. So it's actually my library is my little personal library is using moment within it um but it's then a wrapper around that to do something a little bit more complex to provide some dates in like a block that's relative to the time that we're in now it's just a little simple thing pumps out a list of formatted date strings so is that just a file with some functions in that you then import into your or require in your javascript file import uh yeah i'm all about the importing um so i export my constant and there it is it's available um uh, so in JavaScript module land, it's pretty easy. Um, and then so if, I, if I really wanted to, I could publish this little date thing as a module on NPM with moment as a dependency. And it's then a little something that someone can use. It's too specific to, to share. I'm not going to do that. I don't know. It's one of those things where you take like something that you use and it works really well in your scenario. And you think, oh, yeah, this is like 
feature complete it does everything it needs to i'll just publish it and then you discover that maybe like that final five percent of the work is actually half as much again as the time it took you to build the thing if not more because then you've got to maintain it. you've got to write a readme you've got to docu- document it you've got to then maintain it you've got to have version stuff in there you've got to make sure that it's not just compatible for like, particularly publishing on npm you want to make sure like what kind of what form in what is this going to be umd is this going to be is this going to be a require syntax common js you've got all these little like horrible horrible edge cases (laughs) to consider little tweaks and things so even for a really simple thing there's a lot of work putting packaging it into a library that other people can consume is a non-trivial task but actually writing the thing and if it's something it can be something very simple and writing a library that you can yourself use internally dead simple yeah so as so often is the case the code's not necessarily the hardest part of it it's all the and the admin essentially around it <laughs> that makes things well yeah yeah 50 50 i'd say but yeah and it's yeah it, that very much i think like if you were to ask the people who made a moment or the people who made d3 you ask mike bostock what the hardest thing was it's not going to be the packaging and the releasing of it <laughs> no, it's, it's the actual like there's a lot of work that's gotten into some of these things which is why we all use them so much because yeah we're you know standing on the epic, epic work that other people have done yeah so i guess um one thing to say before we finish might be that if you are kind of working on something, you've got a specific problem, you probably there probably is a library for that already. And a lot of the time, you don't have to write all these things yourselves. Someone has done it. And kind of that's what a lot of jobs end up being. It seems that you kind of go, you think, I've got this problem. Is there a library for that already? No, there's not. I'm going to add or I'm gonna, there is a library, but I need to add these specific things like you've done with your time, your date time one. Um, yeah, so have a look at have a look to see if there's a library first before you commit to writing loads of code. It depends on the context, I think. In generally at work, people want you they want the results fast. So yes, definitely do that. But if you're doing a personal project, maybe take the time to write your own implementation of something because that's kind of, I find that kind of fun. And then you gain understanding and you become better as a programmer by learning how these things are put together. Um, I think you can copy paste your way to a successful career. Um, I don't know that I would find that as rewarding. I like knowing, like, there's a lot of there's a lot of things I don't want to know. I don't want to know how a moment works under the hood. It's really hard. I don't care. I just want it to work. I'm happy to use it. Um, but there's other instances where I'm like, oh, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna use someone else's modal library. I'm gonna write my own because it's much more fun. I've got more control over it. Hmm. Thanks a lot for listening. Make sure you check us out on Twitter at AQO Code. And you can find us online at aqoc.dev. And make sure you are subscribing and telling your friends. And we'll see you next week. See you next time. Bye. Bye.